The Avalanche take game one of the Stanley Cup finals. We're going to break down game one for you guys. Just an update about Jack Campbell. So we're going to touch on that and also play some cosine, no sign on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcasts from, you can also now catch us up uh, on video format on YouTube. Go search up Locked On Leafs on YouTube. And we've got our fourth clue coming in the Name That Leaf, um, Austin Matthews Leafs jersey giveaway. We've given three clues already. Got to go back if you missed them and check out the clues. The fourth one coming today. And then tomorrow will be the final clue. And you'll have, have to guess that Leaf. And you'll be eligible to win in Austin Matthews jersey. But you do have to be subscribed on YouTube to make that happen. All right, uh, Dave, got a couple things you got to get into today. Let's start with the uh, the well, game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Didn't disappoint, did it? Not at all. I, I love the action of it, and you couldn't ask for a better ending to a game like that. No, oh, well, one hundred percent. I mean, I, we, I, I jokingly, do you remember when Daryl Sutter? was talking about the second round, and he's like, oh, you got the battle of Alberta, Val, Florida. Yeah. He's like, it's perfect. That's how I felt. Like, when it, when this game went to overtime, I'm like, oh, game one overtime, it's perfect between these two teams. It was truly uh, – you couldn't have written a better story. And, you know, the, the first 10 minutes, I thought Tampa started out pretty sluggish. And I, I, I think – the altitude was a big reason for it. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, how that could be maybe an equalizer when you talk about the rest versus rust situation with the Colorado Avalanche. Well, Tampa's going to have some altitude issues trying to adapt, and uh, it, that really did seem like in the first first 10, 15 minutes, maybe even the, the, the first period in general, it took a little bit for them to get their, their, uh, their legs under them. So they came out a little flat, and they found themselves down a 2 nothing pretty quickly. And then next thing you know, it's a 3-1 game after the first period. The first time in Andre Vasilevsky's career that he's allowed three goals in the first period of an NHL playoff game. But uh, that guy, like, is there any other goaltender who you would feel safe saying, oh, he allowed three goals in the first period. It's all good. We're going to come back. He's not going to allow anything else in regulation. Outside of Andre Vasilevsky, I don't think there's any other goaltender in the world currently playing where I feel comfortable with a 3-1 deficit. Yeah, no, I don't think there really is. And that, and that's where when I got a little worried when Tampa made their comeback, right? I'm just like, Colorado got three on him, and now it's like, can they get that fourth? Like, once Andre Vasilevsky shows that he's human a little bit, he seems to find a way to just dial it in and, and not let the next one in. And so that was the concern there. And, and the panel did a good job, I think, in showing moments where, like, I think it was 
the second or third goal where Andre Vasilevsky just looked absolutely gassed, right? Like they yeah. were in those, they were hemmed in their zone. Even the even the Lightning, they, they we we know that they like to play, you know, a hard style where they're blocking shots and they're going to get in the in the lanes there. That took a lot out of them. Like I don't think they were per- truly prepared for what Colorado was going to do in terms of the pace of play, and so. Yeah, I um, Colorado, I think, got a bit fortunate that, you know, they got a, a human Vasilevsky in game one because I don't know how many times you're going to uh, see Vasilevsky have a performance like that in this series. Yeah, Andre Vasilevsky, I was looking this up uh, yesterday. His statistics in game ones in comparison to games two through sevens are insane. So it's game one stat. He, he, just, he hasn't been great through these playoffs. He's only won one time, and that was against the Florida Panthers. He's got a 399 goals against and an 884 save percentage in game ones. The good thing is that he's seems to turn things around once game two comes rolling around and gets even better later into the series. He's 11 and three with a 190 goals against and a 939 save percentage in game two through seven so far in these playoffs. So, game one was crucial. That's why game one was so crucial for Colorado. Oh, like, absolutely. They could not afford to let game one slip for them because, as you said, like I saw those stats too, and I'm just like, ooh. Like if they if they if they blow this, they're gonna be kicking themselves, especially if the series gets you know remains a close one, and they have every win every game matters right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they needed to win that game. Like that, it wasn't must win for Tampa, but it almost seemed like it was must win for Colorado because you know I, if you would have lost game one, now you're sitting there and you're like, we got to win t- two in a row against Andre Vasilevsky. Like that is a must for us to win a championship. I don't know if he can really do that because that's that's damn near impossible against that guy. Um, yeah, he locked it down, and then Birakovsky getting the overtime winner. I mean, what, honestly, I, I felt like um, there was a couple of moments in that game that, that I want to talk about. Before we get to the Birakovsky winner, though, should we talk about the Andre Kudrov play? Because that was just unbelievable. You mean the Nikita Kucherov? <laughs> yeah, what did I say? Just Andre, Andre Kucherov. Uh, yeah, Andre Kucherov. No, but Nikita, I mean, I, I saw that play developing, and then when I saw, I think it was Devon Taves that he, uh, yeah, that he, walked. That he deked out, I'm like, oh, boy. He thought he deked that guy right out of ball arena. Like, just incredible presence. But it, what it was, too, was just, Tampa, they get they were playing they were playing poorly up until that point really. Yeah, they got, got that them, got him going right. Yeah, he got that goal, and then it was not too long after they tied, and I'm just like, oh boy, like this is like what happened with New York, right, where they scored that tying goal in Game Six. What does Tampa do? Nah, we got the winner right after that. Yeah. It's like when you've got this team down, do not give them an opening. And they did it with, uh, especially with Kucherov there. Like that was just world class play. Um, geez, like, yeah, I saw that play developing, and I saw the. I thought he was going to shoot it, but then when I saw, I think it was Palat that was in front of that. Like when he made that pass, I was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's he's you can almost kind of see it developing, and you know it's just going to happen. Yeah, like he ends up pulling Kemper, and once he realized that Kemper was kind of vacating and leaving the option for the backdoor tip play, he was like, okay, here. Slides it over to Palat, perfectly little uh, little tap into the back of the nets, and that that's that's really what got got Tampa rejuvenated again. Because like you said, 
Sergachev ends up getting a goal uh, less than a minute later, and, and all of a sudden you go from a 3-1 deficit. Now it's a tie game, tie game within the you know 40-some-odd seconds, and all of a sudden it's it's a brand-new ball game. But then, you know, Colorado locked it down, and, and, and it was a, you know, I, I, Vasilevsky was, was Vasilevsky, I guess, and then they end up going to overtime, and uh, Andre Burakovsky is the one who ends it. So Colorado taking game number one. Anything else that uh, was notable about that game you want to mention before we move on here? Uh, Arturi Lekkinen. Like, that guy, what a pickup he's been for Colorado. I, yeah. I I was reading about it that, like, Joe Sackett pretty much harassed the Montreal Canadiens to trade him. And what a shrewd pickup there. Like, it, they paid – I mean, they paid a pretty penny to get him, but he's been worth it. Um, like, that that's the type of guy you need in, in these playoffs, you know, a guy that's just relentlessly can find a way to score. And so – I, I like, you know, I was a little worried about the depth for Colorado with Kadri being out and Braden Point getting in. I thought that was going to give the Lightning a bit of an edge, but um, guys like Burakovsky and uh, Lekin is stepping up. That's huge for Colorado. What did you think of uh, Braden Point last night, by the way? I thought he was actually, I thought he was better than I thought he was going to be, but still not the Braden Point that, you know, we we know. That, that injury, when, like, it just didn't look like something you can come back from easily. Like, yeah. I, right. And you know, his game is all about speed and tenacity, right? He can't just get, you can't get away with being pedestrian out there. And I thought he was, you saw the speed element there. You also just saw some smart plays like that. The play on the Nick Paul goal, like he makes that, it was such a subtle little pass, but just knowing that you're going to take the hit, make the play. And then Victor had with a heads up pass. And then, like, I, I think if I think Brain Point could, well, he might just get better as the series goes along. And if you're Colorado, that's someone I think I, you have to be worried about. And there's so many guys to be worried about on Tampa that it's just going to be. I you just hope it doesn't overwhelm them too much. Do you feel uh, any different about so when you you predicted the series, you took Colorado in seven? Do you I took it any- five actually. <laughs> Colorado in five. Yeah, I did. I said if they don't end the series early, that they're in trouble. True. Like, so how like, do you feel after game one? You still feel confident about your pick there? The only thing I, that worries me is they they always somehow leave a little opening for a team to get back in. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they're going to – that's playing with fire a little bit too much in my opinion. Especially with Tampa. Um, you leave them an opening, they're going to kick yeah. the door open on you. But – my my concern is that Tampa wasn't at their best, and they still kept that. Like they were still a shot away from winning that game. But I feel like if call like this was just Colorado, you know they they're they're also feeling out Tampa too. They haven't played them in so long, so I'm still confident they can pull this off. It's just the 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 Colorado five maybe was a little bit of a <laughs> too. I like my reasoning for it was that they got ended early, but it's just like, oh man, this looks serious. Looks like it's gonna go to distance. Yeah. After the game, Coach John Cooper came out and said, "I don't, I don't think we by a country mile that we gave our best game tonight, but we still have a chance to pull it out." So I think that's a positive, and uh, I, I'd have to agree. Um, I, I do think that's a positive, and you know, you, you erase that ugly first ten minutes and that first period in general. It's basically a, a three, uh, we'll say a two nothing game, I guess, the rest of the yeah. way. It, it took extra time 
took outside of regulation for them to get another goal past Vasilevsky after those three, after the first period. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I still feel good about my Tampa pick. I'll say that. All right. Uh, Jack Campbell. There's an update there on his contract. The Athletic put out a little bit of a piece. We'll get to that in just a moment. But before we do, Dave, I want to tell the good listeners about our friends at Bilt Bar. Yeah. <clears throat> our Bill friends over at Bill are always coming out with amazing new flavors. We talk about it all the time. Well, guess what? They've undone themselves again with their new mud pie flavor. For the first time ever, Bill is introducing the new mud pie flavor in both their mud pie bar and mud pie puff. I'm not sure what mud pie tastes like. If you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this one. The new mud pie is rich whipped cream, chocolate mousse, smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. You got to try mud pie as soon as possible and you need to hurry because the mud pie bar and mud pie puff are only available for a limited time. Visit built.com to taste the deliciousness yourself. Not convinced? Luckily, they saved the best for last. It's actually good for you. No, really. All built products are low calorie, high protein, and low sugar. Mud pie is packed with 16 grams of protein and only 150 calories and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most delicious creamy mud pie and wrapped it just for you. So make sure you go to built.com to get the get the mud pie bar and the mud pie puff. And to help you out and to maybe push you a little bit closer to getting them. Make sure you go and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. So that is promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We are your hosts here at Locked On Leafs. And uh, Dave, why don't we go ahead before we get to the Jack Campbell news and give away our fourth clue in the Name That Leaf Austin Matthews jersey giveaway. Uh, if you haven't heard the first three, you're going to have to go back and listen to the episodes and you'll get it there. But the fourth clue today, this player was on the playoff roster for the Maple Leafs in 2013. He was on the playoff roster on the Maple Leafs in 2013. So that should narrow down this player pretty good. So with the first four answers, that should narrow it down. First four, four clues that we've given should really narrow it down. So you should start to have an idea of who this player is if you've gone and listened to each and every clue, wrote them down. Yeah, you should. You should. But the last clue is coming tomorrow uh, in which you'll comment down below. Uh, on on our YouTube channel, who you believe it is, and if you got it correct, you'll be eligible to uh, to win that Austin Matthews jersey. But you do also have to be subscribed on YouTube to also uh, be be eligible. All right, let's get into this Jack Campbell news because I didn't feel like we've been duped, David. For for weeks, we've been told uh, by many many insiders that there's been no communication with Jack Campbell's camp since the end of the season. And Kurt Overhart, Jack Campbell's agent, is coming out and saying, "Well, that's not entirely true." Uh, he came out yesterday. Um, the Athletic wrote a piece, and uh, Kurt Overhart was quoted saying, "You know, we've had a couple of conversations." Uh, he said, "I think it's been reported that we haven't talked any numbers or anything like that, but we continue to have good dialogue." 
Well, what do we make of this news, David? Does this does this seem like okay? Maybe the door is still open on Jack Campbell, or does the fact that they haven't even chatted numbers yet kind of make it seem like yeah, this probably does still mean that he's not in the cards going forward? It makes me think that okay, for like there there has to like before we were hearing ah nothing was happening, so this guy is definitely leaving. To like okay, they are t- still talking. But the fact that, like, they've had a long time to be discussing contracts and stuff that, like, you kind of, if the Leafs really wanted Jack Campbell, I think they could have gotten this done. I really think they could have gotten this done because I don't think you want to be going into free agency without knowing who you're, like, if what Jack Campbell's status is like. You're not leaving that opportunity for him to go out and see another, get another team to pitch him and then losing him. So, while I think, while I, while I think that it's a little more encouraging if you're a Jack Campbell fan and you want to see him back, I think it's encouraging that he is ta- that there's still dialogue. That it's not like the wind the door's been closed. But I don't th- I, I think I don't think we should be in a position to say ah he's definitely coming back. Or I, I think the fact that I think that the Leafs are still considering all their options. I think they're gonna take this as close as they can. Um, to the next, you know, whether that's the draft, whether that's after the draft, I think there, there's a lot of variables. I think they're still trying to work out here. So I'm, it's really hard to handicap for me where I think they're going to be with this. Yeah. It's a big roll of the dice that I don't understand, man. Like how have you not talked numbers? Like, is that not the first thing that you should talk about? So does someone come back? Yes. Okay. What's the number? Like, that's the follow-up question. What do you text saying? Like, Hey, like uh, legitimately, if you're Kyle Dubis, you're sending a, a text message or you call up Kurt Overhart or saying, Hey, is he interested in coming back? Yes, he would be interested. Okay, hang up. I'll call this guy back in six weeks. Like, is that how this goes down? I don't understand. It, it, it makes no sense to me. Mike, That's- we're a bunch of Italians. We, we like to get the business right away. Sometimes we schmooze but, a little bit, but I know. This is why, like, I'm a caller, dude. I'm a caller. <laughs> Like, if I oh, yeah. need to know something, if I got to get a hold of you, I don't want to wait 20 minutes for you to respond to a text. And then we got to go back and forth, back and forth. But I could just call you. We could figure this out in, like, three minutes. I am a caller when I need something done. I need to know an answer immediately. That's the way I am. I feel like that's how GMs need to be. What do you mean you, you haven't talked numbers or anything? Like, that's all you need to talk about. It's a contract negotiation. What are you talking about? I don't buy that they haven't talked numbers. They're talking about talking. The famous line of Randy Ambrose. If you're a CFL fan like me, they're talking about talking. I was like, that is the biggest load of baloney I have ever heard. Exactly. You're talking about talking. That means you're talking, dummy. Look, I I don't don't buy that they haven't talked numbers. Yeah, I don't either. Which to me makes it seem like. If, if, if Kurt Overhart is saying, yeah, we haven't exchanged numbers or anything, I think it's because the numbers, they know they're so far apart that it's not even worth reporting how close or far apart they are. It's just saying, yeah, we haven't really talked actual numbers because we threw this number at them and they haven't responded and said, well, why don't we try and negotiate that down? Which means Toronto probably said, eh, I don't know if I want to, want, want to go that far. Like, there was a report at a Buffalo a week ago or so that they were were 
willing to, I don't know if the, I, I wasn't sure who the source was, so I don't know if this is legitimate or not, but I saw it popping off in the discord that we have. And also some people on Twitter saying that um, uh, I can't remember who reported it, but it was a five-year deal at, or six-year deal, maybe at 5.6 million per Toronto can't compete with that. So if that's what he's looking to get, Toronto cannot compete with that. Now, if that is a legitimate offer also that has been made, that is illegal, that is tampering, you cannot talk specifics with uh, with, with Kurt Overhart about, Buff- about uh, if you are the Buffalo Sabres. But anyway, I digress on that. I, I, I don't I, – I would to me, this signals – I know he says that we haven't spoken numbers, but we have good dialogue. If you're sitting here with less than a month of free agency – this is a, if he was truly a priority for the Maple Leafs to be this team's number one starting goaltender going forward, you wouldn't just have be having dialogue. There wouldn't be a couple of conversations. It'd be a full court press to get this guy under contract if that was the goal of Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs. Doesn't seem to be. Doesn't seem to be. So I, I I'm not sure if this makes me feel any different. I still think that the Jack Campbell era is over in Toronto. Yeah. Well, I, I think the other thing too, is I'm wondering if they're just, if the, if the agent's kind of stalling a bit just to see, all right, this is what the Leafs are offering me, but what's the market offering us? Right. As you said, they can't talk numbers with other teams. So they, maybe there has been dialogue on numbers and maybe wow. the agent's just like, we can, we can, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> don't I was listening. I was doing the old air quotes. Yeah. They yeah. can't talk to other teams yeah yeah and then jack campbell two seconds into free agency has signed like a six-year deal with another team that's all yeah, right um i i think I, I guarantee that this has been you know the the jack campbell camp is trying their best to play a little bit of poker with the leafs right because we've heard jack campbell wants he's committed to staying that's what that's what the agent said he is committed to staying in toronto but you can't play you can't show all your cards right you can't be saying he wants to stay we're willing to you know make the deal sweet for you like the agent's not going to do that he's not doing his job for for jack there so i feel like he's waiting he's waiting this out a little bit to kind of see can they get the leafs to sweat a little bit and give them the number that they want i i think that's maybe where jack campbell's camp is at right now yeah we'll see We'll see less than a month. There's been conversations. They continue to have dialogue. But will they come out with some numbers at some point here and exchange those? Because you can't put pen to paper until you figure out uh, how much it's going to cost. And quite frankly, that's the only conversation uh, that needs to be made in the dialogue is what's the number? What's the number, Jack? Free to come back. Here's the number we're comfortable at. Let's try and figure it out. If that hasn't happened yet, yeah, I don't think it's going to. I really don't. All right, let's uh, let's take one more break. When we get back, let's play a little cosine, no side, Dave. It's one of our favorites here on the podcast. We get a couple of those out of the way and uh, call her a day. And and if you missed it, we did already give away the name that leaf trivia clue. But I'll say it one more time, one more time. The play he was on the playoff roster in 2013 for the Maple Leafs. I know I have to make you think about the 2013 collapse again in that roster, but son of a gun. I apologize that I had to do it, but it's a pretty good clue that does narrow the list uh, down quite a bit. So uh, that is the fourth clue. 
Uh, go check out the the first three on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday's pod. The final clue coming tomorrow. All right. Uh, when we get back, we'll get uh, get to some cosine no side. All right. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We're a host here at Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast. The Leafs, well, they might be done, but we're not done. We got a couple more weeks of five-pack of episode each and every day. And then we move down to three episodes a week throughout the offseason. But still, full-year podcast. We don't go away. We don't go away. We're still here. Still tons to talk about. So make sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Leafs to get all that Leafs and hockey content. Speaking of Leafs and hockey and content, one of our favorite games that we like to play on the show, Cosign, No Sign, let's get it rolling. It's a game where we make statements to each other. If we agree with it, we co-sign it. If we disagree, we no-sign that bad boy. You could start. What's your first one for me, Dave? All right, my first one has to do with the Stanley Cup final. Uh, it's got to do with the cons. My thoughts. Ooh. Arturi Lekkanen is among the top three for the Colorado Avalanche and Conn Smythe trophy favorites. Oh, so I think he's call. moved up to the top three. Bad call. Really? I think well, he's, I, th- I think a lot of, he's been getting a lot of attention. I think if he continues to play like this, I think he's gonna. I think he. Okay, so I'm not cool. saying he's. I'm not saying he's a clear cut favorite. It's still Kale McCarr for me, but I yeah. think he's in the top three. Ooh, oh no, that is an awful call, man. Awful. All right. I want to hear this. The worst. I mean, Kale McCarr is number one. That's that's Nathan scary. McKinnon is my number two. Nathan McKinnon is number two, and then, geez, I mean, there's got to be a whole, a whole maybe, maybe Rantanen, but if Rantanen, like Rantanen, had a good second round, but if he doesn't carry this over, I don't know if he's gonna get the attention. Like a lot of people, how many points does uh, does he have? I'm just checking right now to see exactly what his point totals are at so far through these playoffs. Lekkinen has 12 points, seven goals through the playoffs. Dude, no, I, I I can't get behind that. I I, I think Val Nachushkin right. is a is ahead of Arturi Lekkinen. That guy had a game last night, by the way. He played interesting, phenomenal. I would say Nachushkin would be ahead of him. I would probably Skog also. This guy's got nineteen points, teen games, second in the team in scoring. Scored, got the party started last night. No, I don't even know if I'd have him in my top five. I was going to ask you if you had him top five. In there. Yeah, like he's he'd be around that, like in the five to seven range, probably. But but Nasakaji doesn't play; he's not going to be in it at all. No, he wouldn't be in there. But like Makar, McKinnon, probably Landeskog, Rantanen, Nachushkin. Then I'm looking Lekkinen, Bowen Byram ish, uh, Devon Tays would be in that conversation as well around there. That's that's about where I'm looking the range, the five to seven range. For Terry Lekkinen. I mean, the guys had some timely goals. Don't get me wrong, but in terms of like overall impact, he hasn't been the the MVP. No way. No sign, my guy. No sign. All right, next one for you. John Tortorella will be a good fit for the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, it depends on what you mean by good fit. Um, is he going to be the kick in the rear that this team needs? Then yes, he will be a good fit. 
Um, I don't think he's a long-term solution for that team. So I'm going to no sign up for that reason. I think John Tortorella, Tortorella just, he, he I, I feel like there's, like, he's a guy that certain GMs kind of bring in to kind of punish the team a little bit, in my <laughs> opinion, right? And that's why I don't think he's going to be a good fit for Philly because is that what, like, Alan Vigneault was a pretty, like he's not an easygoing coach either, and it didn't work there. I, I, I just don't know if that's what Philly needs. I think Philly just needed an, uh, I, I think a fresh approach. I think they're just going back to the well with similar guys that they've had before. Even Mike Yo, who is known for his being a you know a bit of a pain in in the rear to deal with, he like he didn't even he couldn't do anything with this team either. So I don't know if. I think for the maybe for the, like the short term he'll be a, b- a good fit, but I think he's going. I think that loster is going to go away. It, 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 the weird part about Philly is it's a team that probably should rebuild, but they're not going to rebuild. Um, they want to succeed in Philly. They went out last year and made a lot of signings to make sure that this team is better, especially on the blue line, and then it just didn't work. <laughs> so they're gonna. Go to the well again, like you said, not only with coach the same coaches, but they're going to go to the well again with the same guys. Um, like they brought in Ryan Ellis. They traded for uh, Rasmus Ristolainen. Like they gave up picks and prospects to get it done. Uh, I I think for a team that uh, it doesn't have much but do have aspirations, John Tortorella is probably a good fit in that regard because he has a track record of, taking a little and getting a lot out of them. Think back to the Columbus Blue Jackets for so many years. You know, not a great roster, not a great team, but he was able to get a lot out of them, and they were competitive. Um, they beat the, the Lightning in a four-game sweep the year that they ended up going buck wild and running away with the President's Trophy that season before, you know, the, the, the terror that they've had on the league the last couple of years. If you ask John Tortorella, he created this beast when they eliminated them in four games and embarrassed them. But I think it's actually a decent fit um, for that reason. Like, it makes sense why ownership and why the organization wants John Tortorella to come in. But ultimately, I don't I don't agree with the, the direction that Philly's going to go in. They should tear it down. They should go into a bit of a rebuild here. But bringing in John Tortorella doesn't really signal that's the case. So it's I'm, I'm iffy on it. Uh, it depends how you look at it. But uh, I'll accept either a good, uh, yeah, I'd accept the cosine or a no sign because there are two ways to look at it. So nice. All right, second one for you. Uh, second one for me is about Barry Trotz. So we're continuing the the, uh, the coaching well. We talked about the Detroit Red Wings as a possible fit. I am guaranteeing that Barry Trotz will be the next coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Ooh, I'm going bold today. Yeah, that's a guarantee, eh? I'm gar- I'm going guarantee. Oh, I'm going to no sign because that means I get the field. And the field is typically always the better bet. <laughs> um, it's it's probably the, one of the more attractive options so far that they're on the market. But Boston would be an attractive, uh, an attractive landing spot, I suppose, if Bergeron's going to come back, which we don't know about yet, I suppose. Um He's from Winnipeg. They're offering him unlimited free beer at some breweries if he could come back. I think I also saw uh, free tickets for life to the, like the Dauphin country music 
festival that they have. So the the wine and dine type of stuff is starting to come out to, to bring in Barry Trotz. So Winnipeg seems like a pretty good landing spot for him. Dallas would be a, a decent uh, spot for that guy. So I could see him going in, in a and in, in to a few different teams. So for me to explicitly say it's a good call um, that I co-sign him going to Detroit 100%. I don't think I can co-sign that. So, so I'm going to no sign it. I think there's a few different teams out there that make sense for Barry Trotz that want Barry Trotz. So I'll take the field. I, I don't blame you. I, I just think that if, if you haven't picked the offer with free beer by now, I don't know, man, I feel like he's, I feel like he's waiting now for Detroit to give them their best offer. And I think you see what uh, Tampa's doing what Stevie Y built in Tampa yeah. and what he could do in, in Detroit. I think that's a pretty attra- attractive fit for me if you're uh, Barry Trotz. Maybe he's holding out for the Little Caesars for life offer from uh, the Detroit Red Wings. All right, last one for you here, Dave, and then we'll wrap today up. Uh, Leafs content with this one. The Toronto Maple Leafs will not bring back one of their main RFAs next season. So whether that's be you know trade one of these guys, they don't qualify one of these guys. And I'm talking about mainly Andre Kasha, Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilligren, and Pierre Engvall. I'm going to co-sign that. I think there's a good chance like a guy like Andre Kasha could be gone. I think even Pierre Engvall, you know, he might consider he, – he might price himself out at, one, at some point because we've seen how he's his game has steadily improved to the point where he's not at the Ilya McKayev range yet where I feel like a team is just going to – go out and throw $4 million at him. But even if a team, even if like he's asking for a certain amount of the Leafs are just like, we can't afford that. Or, you know, you've given us some good value. We need to throw you in a, in a trade to get a, a deal done. So I, I feel like out of those, I think it's a better bet that Sandy and Lilligren stay around, but Engvall and Kasha, like guys like that. I don't know. I don't think they have long-term futures here with the Leafs. But like as for next season, you yeah. Think- even even next season, like they're RFA, so they're, yeah. They're so like there there there's no. I just even wonder if Andre Kasha gets qualified, right? Like, qualifiers only like a million dollars though, because that's what it? he talking last year. Now he has arbitration rights, so exactly. I think the worry is if he goes to arbitration, he could potentially, based on like some cases I'm hearing, he could ask for in the two and a half million range, and that might be too much for Toronto to except from the arbitrator. So if that is the case, they may have to move on from him. So I, 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 I agree with you. I think that that's the, the case. Engvall, I don't think has priced himself out. I think they'll find a, a solution with Engvall. I wonder more so with the Sandy and Lilligren, if, if you know a trade occurs with one of those two guys. We've discussed Rasmus Sandin multiple times as a potential trade piece um, yeah. based on there's a, they're overloaded on the left side. And if they could use him to get it themselves a quality piece, like he's a, an attractive trade option as well. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd co-sign it as well. That one of those guys probably not going to be on the Leafs main roster um, at the start of next year. All right, Dave, fun stuff today. We'll get back at it again tomorrow as usual. But that's to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mika underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morasuti. Uh, also, go ahead and subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. 
and also on YouTube. Go ahead, smash that like button, leave a comment down below, and uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.